reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mailbag wrapping up the Jaguars game, and the Giants are 6-1. and one. We've got some future implication questions that have to do with injuries. Some some fun stuff. Not a, you know, we're, we, we did... We did Saquon contract and then Daniel Jones contract the last couple weeks, so we're taking a couple weeks off of those questions. Even though someone did tee us up for some Daniel Jones talk, which I thought was, which I really much appreciated. Justin, how are you feeling? We're six and one, and it's, I'm, I, I'll be honest, I'm starting to get used to winning. <laughs> yeah, man, it, we're we're starting to repeat ourselves a little bit. This is good. That's good. This is good. That's good. Nothing's really going wrong right now, besides some. Stupid injuries, and like I said, like I said to start Sunday's show, the list of reasons why the Giants shouldn't be winning right now—it's continuing to grow, but they don't care, and they're winning. Yeah, I remember, you know, like you think about, like you know, for us, we think about the show and stuff, and how we cover the Giants. It's like I really don't—I don't remember what winning is like. No, you know, it's been—it's been a while. You know, especially with the show being so much more immersed with the Giants than I was before. And now I'm like, I can't remember what it's like to lose. Like, you know, what what do we do after yeah. losses? So And dude, this uh, is different than twenty sixteen, by the way. Cause twenty sixteen, I never felt you never felt great about the offense. Nobody ever felt great about the offense. Obviously Eli has a good, you know, playoff game, but the receivers just drop passes. That's a familiar feeling to this past Sunday. But yeah, man, just this stretch of dominant football that we're seeing in the second half too. the Giants being a second half team and just feeling feeling really good about this Giants team is a super unfamiliar feeling and I'm loving it yeah so we're gonna get into all your mailbag questions first this episode was brought to you by some special people um some we just got Dave just 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 Dave gentlemen then we got Matt Hadass who puts parentheses not Tanner Hudson Matt Hadass I do know Matt personally not personally but I know him I know what he does. Uh, Richard Berry, Berry some cream. Daniel uh, F- uh, Fortunato. And then just not Kyle Kuzma's brother, which doesn't really narrow it down much. Justin, no. who are these people? Narrows it down to one less person in the world. Um, I want to talk about this really quick. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thanks to our patrons. We love you. They sponsor today's show. Um, and also they send us love. And we love you. We give you love back. Uh, speaking of Dave Gettleman, what, what do we what do we think about this whole notion that Dave Gettleman deserves more credit now? Now that we're actually winning with a lot of players on his roster, this would be this would be year five, and we're like scraping. Like <laughs> it's like it's amazing some of the stuff the coaching is doing doing for the lack of talent on the roster. Um, and also, you know me, I I. I I wanted Gettleman fired after 2019, 2020, and 2021, but I was never like the shake your fist. Like, I hate every single fiber of this person. But, yeah, that's that's crazy. And, again, like, he did well on some of his first-round draft picks. His best day three pick is right now Julian Love. And his best his, his second best is Darius Slayton. And I know a lot of people are joking when they – say that online, like, oh, Dave Gettleman maybe deserves credit. This is kind of his roster that's doing well. I know some people are joking. I know some people are serious. But something that's forgotten in all of this, like GM, talent acquisition, whatever, picking the head coach is just as big of a decision, if not Absolutely. a bigger he decision. Absolutely. He failed twice at it. 
a bigger decision than selecting a quarterback, which Dave Gunnelman failed twice at it. So and that's being a, a big uh, part of keeping Jason Garrett around when yes. Joe Judge didn't want to keep Jason Garrett. I don't know why we're doing this right now. Well, um, I, I saw it online and I thought about it, and it's the start of the show. But we'll throw it to Steve, and we'll actually talk about serious things with this. No, team. there's one other point that you brought it up since, um, as like. So like 2020 offseason, Dave Gettleman like had a great offseason. Outside of that, it's kind of it's kind of bleak. Right now you could say the 2019 first two picks and DJ and but even then like your your year your year 4 and Daniel Jones and now he's you you put, you put bad stuff around Daniel Jones at the very right. at the very best and Dexter Lawrence is starting to look like uh he was worth that pick. So um by the way, that year was probably the best defensive de- tackle draft class ever. Like, Qu- like you think Dexter Williams is playing awesome? Quentin Williams is playing better than Dexter Lawrence. He's amazing. You get Jeff Simmons, who's you know top three. Um, Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins, who was really good. That might be the best defensive tackle draft class of all time. Huge. I didn't know Jeff Simmons was twenty nineteen. I thought he was older. Yeah, I think he was like taken after Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. All right. All right. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. QD Hags at QD Hags 10. First question, after the performance of Josh Azudu, would you prefer seeing him develop over Ben Bredesen once Bredesen re- returns from injury? So this left guard position has been revolving like, hey, this guy's actually playing pretty well, uh, Door. You know, Shane Lemieux, we were very high in camp, then he gets injured. Uh, and the, in that first preseason game, then Bredesen comes in and it's like, you know, he's He's playing pretty well. Like he had bad games versus the Packers and the Titans, um, and then Azudu like was horrible. Now Azudu this last game he looked good. Like Azudu looked really good. Um, you know he was using his hands a lot better. And this is this is right around the benchmark of what we wanted for Azudu. Justin was like let him sit if at if around the midway point of the season, which yep. it's week eight right now. Uh, you think he's ready? Throw him in there, you know, let, but let him work on his craft and not work on preparing for the opponent like crazy every week. Cause it, there's two different ways of practicing. Um, and his hand usage looks a lot better. Granted, it, I'm not going to go crazy off of that Jacksonville game, but he definitely looked like an improved player. Just looked a lot more comfortable, man. And what I loved about Josh Suzuki's game against the Jags, the athleticism was on display, not just a play here and there. But his his quick feet, like t- talk to me about that, Bobby, because I'm you you know a lot more of the ins and outs than I do. But I just really enjoyed watching Josh Azuda from this sun from this Sunday and seeing that his positive athletic traits and his insane athleticism was on display both in the run game and then also in pass pro, which we have not seen in pass pro. Well, yeah, in the run game, it had been there even when he sucked versus like the Titans and Week Two. Yeah, you know where he was like awful, awful, awful as a pass blocker. Like you saw in the run game, he just as He's just fast, man. Like he's a, he's a fast. He moves fast, which helps you pull. You know, like a, bi- a big part of that was, you know, uh, the those power O's at the end of the game when they ran the same play eight times. Josh Suzuki was a big part of that. He just moves fast. Um, he pulled still like got every some, play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every single play in that in that last drive of the game where they got fifty seven yards and a field goal by running the same play eight times in a row. So that's there, and then. Once he's connected, and you saw this at UNC, you know, versus guys like Jermaine Johnson. Once he's connected in pass pro, like he's got his hands on guys, his feet move very quickly. Like he's there mirroring with them. Now, again, Jacksonville's defensive tackles are nothing to write home about. Seattle's next week aren't, uh, this upcoming week aren't really either. So it's not the best test in the world. But he, like his feet were mirroring and he was finally punching and landing his hands where he, before he wouldn't do it. You know, and he would, in the run game, he wouldn't punch, he'd like come, he'd like go face first and stuff. So he just had so much technical stuff to work with his hands. The same stuff that we talked about when we did our draft recap showed up in the preseason, showed up in those first two weeks of the season. It looked like they'd improved a lot. And that's why with, that's why with the Zudu, we said, let him sit to start, let him focus on that. And basically that alone. And it looks like he has, again, I don't want to overreact to it, but it, it looked pretty, pretty good. And if you think him and Bredesen are close, 
you give the edge to Azudu because Azudu is the guy you drafted in the third round um, and go there. But we can also have a talk about maybe right guard as well in this too. But uh-huh. yeah, like if Azudu and Bredesen are close, I'm giving the I'm giving the nod to Azudu. Honestly, I know I know Mark Lewinsky was like the quote unquote big name free agent signing for the Giants this offseason, but low key my brain goes to right guard more than left guard, especially Shane Lemieux out of a walking boot. But outside of that, like I, I don't I don't have an update. I haven't seen an update, so he's not in the plans for right now, and I don't think he should be in the plans at least for right now. But Bobby, here's my only concern and worry now I know Evan Neal went out and Tyree Phillips came in at right tackle as well so that's two offensive linemen that you lost two starting offensive linemen that you lost in the same game my only worry the Giants had eight passing attempts in the second half and it was another game in the second half in which they were losing which this is a trend by the way we're going to talk about this hopefully a little bit later in the pod about how the Giants have way more rushing attempts in the second half than the first half I have data on that but I think the Giants really wanted to throw the ball. They were doing it in the in the first half, and especially when all five linemen were healthy. So my worry is, does the game plan get a little bit more conservative, maybe even more conservative than what Dable and Kafka want because Josh Azudu is at guard? That's my question to you. Well, that's what I'm saying. They got to feel that he's close, and at least close in pass pro. This Jacksonville sample size is small, but also at the same time, it seems like Bredesen's going to miss a little time, so they may... Yeah, I don't think they have a choice. Their, their hand forced in it. But the question becomes, they've been willing to put vets and guys with contracts on the bench. But those have been Gettleman guys. Are they willing to do it with someone like Lewinsky, who's pretty much consistently their worst offensive lineman in pass pro? Um, been pretty, he's been good in the run game, though, so you, know, you don't want to discount that, and that's been a huge, obviously a huge part of the Giants' offense's success. Um, do you consider that but even then it's like i'm talking myself out of it because of the like glinsky's a better a better run blocker than bredesen and, and so it's uh but at the end of the day i think if azudu is close to bredesen and pass pro you are you are playing josh azudu they gotta be and they wanted though. to do that from the start like there's no way that azudu was showing as much as bredesen was in camp but they, yet they still split reps and Azudu was, I mean, he was god-awful in those first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, they got to be close, though. That's the thing. They have to be close because Azudu, yeah. Azudu has the potential when everything is going wrong for him. Now, he didn't do this against Jacksonville, but when everything was going wrong for him, he had the potential to tank games, like tank yeah. games and game plans for the offense. So they have to be close. By the time Ben Bredesen gets healthy, um, they have to be close, but I think we're going to have enough of a sample size before we see Ben Bredesen back or before we see anybody who's eligible to maybe take Josh Azudu's spot. We're going to have enough sample size to see whether Azudu can fit the bill for now or whether he can't. Absolutely. Next question. I mean, uh, we're also going to be getting hopefully a Nick Gates update this week, but to, until I hear something substantial that I don't, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I, I just want to hear the update at this point. I we want will. to hear It'll the update. this week. Yeah. All right. Next question is coming from our buddy Colton Link at Colton Link six one zero. How do you guys see tight end playing out for the rest of the season if Bellinger is gone? That is a huge blow, and he's been getting more involved every week. I think it's a big blow because of just his ability to like he's the best receive the route route runner and blocking combo on the team. Um and now you really only have like one good blocking tight end, at least in line to blocking tight end on the team and Chris Myrick. You know, like Andre Miller might be able to come back in an H back role and we'll talk about that. But I'm not we're not gonna put Andre Miller in line on the line of scrimmage. So I think it's that is a big blow because now you don't have two tight ends that you really trust blocking because Tanner Hudson's not really there uh, as a blocker, even though I hate to use the term, but he is a willing blocker. You know, he's not like a total disgrace, mm. even though he has some really bad plays. So I think that's a big blow. Um, to, and again, he's a rookie and he was playing really well. Like, so that's huge. So, but basically my question, I want to turn this question into what do we do with tight end? Like, are you with me in that you think Chris Myrick should just be the starting tight end at this point now? Yeah. Yes. 
Like, I think he should be playing 70 to 80% of the snaps um, on this I team. I think he just takes Daniel Bellinger's role in terms of what Daniel Bellinger has been doing up to this point of the season, except the, the thing that sucks is I do feel Daniel Bellinger was going to start to be included more and more. Um, yes, I don't, that's I don't, it's horrible. I don't think he was just going to be this dump-off guy. And, I mean, you even saw it against, like, Carolina. I don't think Chris Myrick makes it to the pie line against Carolina like Daniel Bellinger does. So, you know, while Daniel Bellinger isn't the most athletic guy in the world and while he doesn't run in a straight line like Evan Ingram, I mean, for the a guy his size and the ability to block the yeah, way he that he does, well. and he does, and he does all the little things right that you want your tight end to do, um, the athletic upside that he offers while doing those little things right is – really really cool and it sucks it really does suck that um we're not gonna have him so but i do think chris myrick should just kind of move into that first four ish weeks of the season daniel bellinger role and i think we'll be okay yeah and i think what you do is when you want to do those two tight end sets you put tanner hudson in the bellinger role and then leave chris myrick in the chris myrick role and then when you're in, in your single tight end uh, you know, you use Chris Myrick unless you're going to flex him out and it's like a third and eight. Then you want to put Tanner Hudson on the field. But I will say I'm very I'm very excited and intrigued to see who gets called up between because Lawrence, Lawrence Cager was, uh, you know, was uh, signed to the Giants practice squad last week after the Jets released him from the active roster. He chose to join the Giants practice squad instead of the Jets. And then Andre Miller came back, who was in line to be the starting H back before fracturing his uh, his wrist in training camp. Like, he was the starting H-back. It was something we talked about every single day. So, it'll be interesting to see who of those guys they call up. If it's Andre Miller, that means that they're going to still, they're going to run some more two tight end sets and, and play Andre Miller and use him as a blocker, as a lead blocker. If Cager, though, like, Cager is a, is an intriguing case because he's a wide receiver, tra- like, convert. Um, Cager's you know, a wide he, receiver convert, too? Yeah. But like oh. he was a wide receiver at Georgia, not you know, not the University of Maine. Oh, okay, all right. So they uh, both are. Yeah. Yeah, and he like he started in the first game for the Jets. I think he had some drops. So, um, Cager is just very interesting to me to see because like he he was just kind of on a, on a bad like roster like to be to be that type of guy because they had uh, Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzoma who like were obviously going to be ahead of him on the team. So it'd be interesting to see if they if they do. But the thing. The thing that makes me think it'll be Andre Miller is because you kind of have that m- more receiver type tight end and yeah. and Tanner Hudson and Tanner Hudson's going to be a better blocker than Lawrence Cager most likely, um, and then Andre Miller can play more of that H back role which can allow Chris Myrick to play in line and then Andre Miller's doing some fullback stuff. Also, think we're going to see a lot of jumbo t- uh, jumbo uh, sets with an extra tackle. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Who would that? So Corey Cunningham would be that extra tackle, right? No, it'd be Devery Hamilton as of now. And that's Corey right. Corey Cunningham's been using. currently on the practice squad, um, which means that an Andrew Thomas touchdown is coming soon too. <sighs> yeah, I forgot that Devery Hamilton was that extra lineman that they've that they've been using. I think they may try and keep the practice squad elevations unless they feel like they need it for that specific week or need it just because they absolutely need it. So I'm intrigued to see who comes up and when they come up, but I'm not. Unless they feel like they need to run like thirteen personnel with three tight ends on the field against like Seattle, um, then I don't think we're going to see it. I think they might want to, but I think they might just go with an extra, like a, the Devery Hamilton, t- right? Uh, right. Because I do think they want to run those three tight end formations, but they can just be like, hey, we'll we'll throw Devery Hamilton out out here anyways. And this but is that, why that's... it's so. And this is why it's so crazy to me not to totally jump the gun to we have a. We have a question about trading people, but this is why it's so crazy to me. Do we still have an open spot on the 53? Yeah, I believe so. This is why it's so crazy to me. Uh, Actually, I think Quincy Roche may have gotten added to the 53. Was he? I don't think he was. I think. Let me look at the roster I think right he was now. Just, I think he was just a practice squad. He was squad terminated division. from the practice squad, which means he's probably being well, added well, Aziz, to the... Aziz was put on IR. and. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, I still think they have an open an open spot. It's so crazy that we have like open spots on the main 53 man roster. And like, I don't think the giants have room to do anything. And we're literally talking about how Daniel Bellinger may be out for the season, but the giants are 
going to just go with whoever's on the roster with Devery Hamilton as like this thir- this super ultra 13 personnel. The Giants have no money to do crap, and they're literally not keeping a 53-man roster because they don't want to pay anybody an extra $700,000, which is crazy. <laughs> so I don't think we're trading for anybody. Spoiler alert yeah. on that question. Why don't you read an ad? I'm counting the people on the roster right now. Count the people on the roster. How, how about this too? Quincy Roche gets two defensive snaps. Yeah, Chris Roche is on the act. So right now we have 53 people on the roster, but All right, so we do Bellinger might be put on IR. Um, So that might. So then it opens up another one. Yeah, um, but Roche is on, on the act. By the way, Quincy Roche had a good play. Yeah, I was going right. to say, two two defensive snaps Quincy Roche has, and one of them makes like maybe a top 10 defensive play of the year that we needed so far. So how do you like that? Maybe we weren't wrong. All you stupid YouTube comments saying, Bobby and Justin, they really love Quincy Roche. Two defensive snaps made an insanely awesome play that altered the game. CSG, new sponsor. That's right. Certified sports guarantee. If you got some sports cards, in your closet like bobby when's the last time you like went through your drawers you went through your closet when was the last time you ever did that you know my brother actually brought me like a giant box of cards so probably like a couple months ago a couple months ago but if you're like just sitting home you've been living in the same apartment same house for a long time many years you haven't even gone through your closet but you know you collect the cards from when you were a kid i have the place for you to get those cards authenticated and maybe even, maybe even see how much they're worth. CSG, they're an expert and impartial third-party authentication. Authenticity. And grading service for sports cards. After grading, sports cards are encapsulated in archival, durable, and crystal clear CSG holders that protect and preserve your cards. Collectors know they can buy and sell with peace of mind when a card is in a CSG holder because it's authenticity and condition they are guaranteed. CSG consistently has the best turnaround times and pricing among the leading third-party sports grading services. Right now, prices are 20% off for grading, and then a promo code gets you $15 off yearly membership and this offer expires december 31st of this year so grade your sports cards with csg get 50 dollars off yearly memberships with promo code giants at csgcards.com you'll be glad you did you'll be glad you did all right next question next question jumped around we uh started with uh we started with daniel bellinger and we ended with quincy roche nick doherty at new underscore kid 98 we keep winning well, here we go. Here's the here's the trade question. We keep winning. Any chance the Giants trade for Jerry Judy or another receiver, a player-for-player player swap? I know the Giants aren't willing to eat into the cap or give away picks, so it's tough. Yes, it is tough, Nick. No, because with... So, when we talked about this, I'm like, guy on a rookie contract, um, day three pick, I'd probably be willing to do, but Judy's not going to go for a day three pick. Like, they, no. they want a day two type pick uh, from him, like a second or a third. And Even also, though, like, and also the Broncos, like how are the Broncos not hoping that they can somehow miraculously go on like an eight game winning streak because of all of the investments that they have made into going all in for Russell Wilson and also this year, next year, whatever. They'd be dumb to trade pieces away. And if, but and if the Broncos were willing to trade away, like, Jerry Judy, while there have been things that have affected his play, he hasn't been a great wide receiver in the NFL. Now, he would be our wide receiver one right away, absolutely. Um, and he is the type of wide receiver that this offense does need. But, I mean, you look at his career, he's had a Darius Slayton-type career. You know, um, you know, there's there's a reason this guy hasn't totally broken out. Like, he's not, he's not, he's been held back by some stuff, but not totally held back. Um, and again, like, I, as much as like I want to say yes because I like Jerry Judy would be wide receiver one on on this team, but I don't know if he's smart, tough, dependable, um, and I don't think it's getting done for a day three pick. No, or for a day three pick, you know. Like I said, I, if there's a wide receiver that's being traded for a day three pick that this regime believes in, that would be awesome. But also, again, Jerry Judy has a four million dollar cap hit, which I guess at the halfway point would be about two mil, but that's still like it. 
you know, they're still going to have to restructure some contracts this year. So they, I don't know. Like, I, I would be happy that we're 6-1, and one, you know, and, and just continue, like, to stay the course and, and build through the draft. If you want to trade for a wide receiver, do it in the offseason. There will be guys available. Yeah, I'm with you that I want to I, I want to stay the course. And I think we would have heard something by now, even if it was just a, hey, Joe Shannon, the Giants may be interested at trading a wide receiver or trading for a wide receiver at the deadline. I think we would have heard that by now with somebody. But everything that we've heard, you know, just from, you know, national, we're certainly hearing it more from national reporters. Sorry, local reporters. They're not really on that kind of stuff. What stuff are they? Everything that we heard from national people um, have been like, Giants are Joe Shane and Giants are going to stay the course, which I like. And we're literally talking here, like we talk every week about, oh, do the Giants have an open fifty-three man roster spot? Are are they going to continue to use these practice squad elevations because they don't want to sign this guy to the main fifty-three because they want to save like a vet minimum of seven hundred thousand dollars? Like it's crazy. It's cra- it's not as crazy as last year where you're literally restructuring guys on a week to week basis, which maybe the Giants will have to do that at some point this year, but they're not doing it right now. So the Giants cap space situation is kind of nuts right now, and I don't really think it's they can't take on anybody. Yeah, and and just because Jerry Judy's an upgrade doesn't mean he's like a long term piece for this Giants. No, uh, you know future. You know, as much as I, you know, I like I love his talent. I just don't know if he's that long term piece. You know, and if the Broncos are willing to depart with him, that's a little more alarming to me than a guy who, you know. And again, I think wide receivers are going to be traded every off season. Let's say like the Giants will be held in healthy cap situation going forward, and we do have like a late first. Like say we have the twenty fifth overall pick, and the Giants are like let's just trade this first round pick for a no a true no doubt wide receiver one in the NFL, kind of like the Bills did with Stephon Diggs. I got no problem with that, you know. I'd like I'd rather do that than trade like a second for Jerry Judy. Right. Well, it starts to get tough though, Bobby, because <laughs> looks like you're gonna pay Saquon Barkley. Looks like you may pay Daniel Jones. That's still a whole TBD. You know, we're seven games into the season. There's still a lot of lot more football left. But if you're gonna start to pay some of these guys that are expiring on their contracts. The NFL right now and the NFL draft is producing so many good wide receivers in rounds one through three, like almost every single wide receiver that you draft. Remember how big of a question mark Wondell Robinson is, and he's looking all right right now? Every single wide receiver that you draft in rounds one through three, they look pretty good in the last couple years. So I kind of want the Giants to go that route, where if you're going to trade a pick for a wide receiver, why not just draft a wide receiver with that pick? Because likely he's going to be good. And then you're going to have that guy for 40 years, four years on the cheap. Yeah, that's fair. That's actually, that's a good point. Um, yeah. So state that, of course, state of course, draft a receiver. That's you my, know, just went through my head. It was like, could you imagine us like having like not having a first round pick? No. I don't imagine want doing that all that draft prep work and then not having a first round. Pick. Well, it's the Rams every year. <laughs> it's the Rams, Niners, crazy. I'm hearing music and freaking Jerry Judy's stat page is playing ads. I'm like, what's that music? What's that freaking noise in my headphones? Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm still on stay the course. I'm not. I'm not changing the course for Jerry Judy, um, even though it's like I still want to believe in Jerry Judy. All right, next question. Next question, B at B Noyes Noyes sixty four. What should we expect from Tyree Phillips while Evan Neal is out for the next month? We'll go quick on this one, um, but it, I did want to address it since he's going to be our writing starting right tackle for at least a few games. I think um, he does have NFL physicality; like he's obviously started um, a good amount of games at right tackle for the Ravens, so he has NFL physicality. Um, the speed isn't horrible, but he does have slow feet and he will get beat around the corner. Um, which you saw this, um, times like he, when he played tackle for the Ravens, he allowed three pressures per game as a tackle the last couple of years. When he played guard, he was much better, but again, he's being put into his position to play tackle. Now we're not talking about his long-term future. We're talking about right now. I will say though, remember how much like I was making a big deal about how swing tackle was for the Giants, Justin? Yeah. If you would have told me we could have got Tyree Phillips, I'd be like, okay, that that definitely satisfies me. Yeah. Do you remember w- that I drafted him in our 2020 redraft? And shout out to Liam for bringing this tweet up uh, a week ago. I dra- I drafted him in our 2020 redraft 
um, in like the second or the third round. Because I initially drafted Justin Jefferson instead of Andrew Thomas after his after his rookie year. By the way, people got mad at me like, you really going to take Andrew Thomas off for Tristan Works? Well, guess what? You're back on my side now. Um, yeah, so the, we're, we're in a good situation with that. But again, just to recap, it's just he's got NFL physicality. Once he's connected, he can do a pretty good job. Um, but he's going to get beat around the corner by, by guys with speed um, a few times a game, which obviously worries you. Um, but he's a, he's a playable right tackle in the NFL, but don't expect to be like, man, this guy's really good, but swing tackle is a huge position. And we kind of have, hopefully we have one for at least the next year and a half and Tyree Phillips. Yeah. That'd be huge. Um, I mean, Evan Neal was getting beat around the corner too, right? So it's similar, similar issues, similar concerns, right? That's similar. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they're going to try and get to some more drop back offense where they kind of they schemed around that stuff with Neil and Neil. Obviously, we were hoping for some pretty decent uh, growth. Where Ty Phillips, I don't know how much growth we're going to get out of him. Uh, I will say though, I, I do like how the Giants have churned the bottom of the offensive line since going back to training camp, like bringing in Tyree Phillips, Jack Anderson, who hasn't got really any playing time. Um, you know Solomon Kinley, who played a lot of games for the uh, for the Dolphins that started at guard. He's on our practice squad right now. You brought in Wyatt Davis, ended up signing to the Saints active roster, and then like keeping around your best guy from the preseason in Devery Hamilton. Mm. I think the Giants have done a pretty good job of churning that O line depth. And 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 don't forget Ben Bredesen is O line depth. You know, like he's playing because Shane Lemieux got hurt. Yep. So I think they've done a pretty good job with that. And they weren't stubborn. Ben Bredesen was playing much better than a guy like Jameel Douglas. Now, Jameel Douglas was a Buffalo guy. He was a Joe Shane and Bobby Johnson, Brian Dable guy. Jameel Douglas was playing bad. They got Jameel Douglas out of here. Ben Bredesen was playing better. They kept Ben Bredesen, and then they even got you know some other guys uh, you know through the 53-man cutdown day and stuff like that, too. So I like that, too, not being stubborn and just sticking with your guys just because they're your guys. All right, Justin, this episode was brought to you by DraftKings. It's time for October baseball, and I'm betting on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the World Series. Who are you rooting for? Did the Padres make it out of the NL yet? No, it was the Phillies. The Phillies made it out of the NL? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to be rooting for the Phillies, right? That's tough, dude. I... I... The only thing that makes me root for the Phillies is, like, Social media will be great to watch all the crap. Like, remember when the Phillies won the World Series? Like, they they went harder when the Phillies won the World Series than when the Eagles did. By the way, like that oh, yeah. gets it gets forgotten how hard Philly went for the Phillies winning the World Series. I don't know. I that's tough. Phillies versus a- a- Astros. Um, I kind of don't. I'm saying Phillies not just be. It's not because I'm a Yankee fan and I hate the Astros. Blah blah blah. I mean, I do want to see a different winner. The Astros have won it a ton. Um, but the Phillies just, they literally fired their manager. They fired Joe Girardi in like the middle, beginning of the season, and they've made the World Series. Did Didi, you know, my guy Didi's gone. Like, I feel like the roster's gone through like tur- turnover in the middle of the season. I want to see the Phillies win. That'd be cool. The Yankees just pissed me off so bad. Um, we'll see. And I'm also like. Like with Aaron Judge, it's like we're gonna. This guy's thirty years old. And we're about to give him. A, I, I don't know. The Yankees. The Yankees literally pissed. Just like I don't know. I said. They I said. I told myself when they. I was like. I was like. I am pumped for the ALCS, even though I hundred percent know I'm gonna be disappointed. And they got swept. They got swept. Anyways, new customers can bet just $5 on any World Series game and win $200 in free bets if your team wins. Want to boost your winnings? Check out DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. So do it on this uh, this, this World Series. Bet on uh, Bryce Harper to hit a home run. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY and bet $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code JOHNBOY. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for de- details. LB trademarks used with permission. You'll be glad you did. Next question. Next question is coming from Tristan Ricker at Tristan Ricker 2. Not a question. Daniel Jones report. Tristan wants... A Daniel Jones report. 
I actually do appreciate this question because I want to talk about Daniel Jones with, but all the Daniel Jones questions have to do with his contract, and I didn't feel like doing that two weeks in a row. Well, this isn't a question. Yeah, so it's just like let's just it just gave us an opportunity to just talk about Daniel Jones, uh, how he's playing, man. Uh, it's it's pretty encouraging to see how like well he's playing within this system. Like the only thing that I don't like is the fact that they're not throwing the ball deep. You know, like, the, and they're not really trying to. You know, like, I, I would like to see some more trying because I think that could create big plays. We saw it with Slayton. Um, you know, and I think there's ways to face, like, coverages that are trying to stop, though. I think there's ways to attack them. And I, I, I think they're there. You know, like, we've, in seven games, we've thrown the ball 20 plus yards six times. Six times. And we know that's something that Daniel Jones is, is a strength of. Uh, so I would like to, that's the only thing like in the whole Daniel Jones conversation that is keeping me from like going like full bloom is like, we're not getting those. Like he has the low, you know, like he's essentially like the least, like the lowest average, one of the lowest average depth of targets in the NFL, you know, like in the same category as Matt Ryan, but everything else, Justin is awesome. Like he's number one in adjusting completion percentage. When you take out throwaways and, and account for drops at 81.1%, the last five weeks, there's been like I, you know, I do the film reviews. I go through every single Daniel Jones progression, read. Let's talk about it. Maximum in the last five games, there's been a maximum of two times where I'm like, he didn't make the right, the perfect, the read, the throw that uh, he should have. Maximum five times, or even even sometimes he made the right read, or just like he like he missed Darius Slayton in that Packers game, you know. So just and usually it's one. Usually it's one per game where it's like very clear. So like that's been awesome. The five game winning drives, the legs have been real. You know, he's the number two QB rushing QB in the NFL right now behind Lamar Jackson. He has the fifth most ten plus yard runs in the NFL for running backs and quarterbacks uh, on a team that has Saquon Barkley, who's fourth in that category. He's avoiding sacks and creating big plays out of avoiding those sacks. He's eleventh in pressure to sack percentage, um, and like he's he's just not missing guys. That's the thing is that he is just he's just not missing. And he's not getting a ton of help from his wide receiver room. That's just like making big plays out of nothing. Giants have a top 10 offense according to DVOA, which is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I think their passing offense is eighth. Their rushing offense is like sixth. Um, you mentioned his attempts of 20 plus yards down the field. Yes, he has six. How many completions does he have, Bobby? Two. The one the Sterling Shepard and then Darius Slayton this past week. Two touchdowns. How do you like that? Yes. Anytime he throws the ball over 20-plus yards, it results in a touchdown. Boom. Anytime it's completed. Edit that. Um, Bobby, did you see my tweet about um, him on second down? I did, but refresh me on it. I'll refresh you on it. Um, how, so he has nine, nine total touchdowns this year, including his rushing touchdowns. How many of those touchdowns have come on second down? Eight. Six. It's pretty oh, okay. impressive, though, right? Pretty impressive, though. He has his most passing attempts and highest yards per attempt on second down. 40 total first downs on the ground and through the air. Daniel Jones has been money on second down. And if you even get some, include some advanced stuff, EPA, CPOE, composite, he is the number one quarterback in the NFL on second down. And what I like, by the way, the Giants have a 60 to 40% pass to run ratio on second and long. So you could look at this data and say, oh, Justin, he's really good on second down because he doesn't have a, lar a large sample size. He doesn't have a large sample size of doing anything on second down because the Giants have been very run heavy. You're wrong. They are throwing the ball more on second and long than they are running it. So Daniel Jones, best second down quarterback in the NFL, and a lot of his touchdowns and productivity has come then. And the best way to avoid third down is by being good on early downs. Yeah, man. It's just, we, I don't think we said this on the podcast. I think, it, I don't think we even said the Patreon, but me, you and Julian were like, man, it sucks that this is happening this year. Like, I wish this would have happened last year, you know, and it's so frustrating why they didn't move on from Garrett. Um, because it's like now, like they had to decline the fifth year option. And it was like, now we're dealing this on a contract year, um, you know, and it's like, like you should have, like this should have been the second year in the in the right system. Yes, um, for him, you know, like it. So it's just it's frustrating the timing of all this, 
but he's doing everything that like he's essentially doing everything that this offense is asking of him to a T. You know, and there's some tight window throws like he's not making bad like he's just not making bad decisions. If this you know, is happening like, last year, pick up the option and let's start talk and let's start contract extension. That's the screwed up part. Where if this is if this is happening last year, there is no doubt that you should pick up the fifth year option. And then, all right, let's gather up and let's talk about some some sort of contract extension. Am I am I wrong? I don't. At least just, pick up the option. Yeah, you're definitely picking up the option. I don't know if you're going straight to a contract extension. Um, but again, like he he's just like so when you see like he has a low average depth of target and stuff. Like the reason Matt Ryan has a low average depth of targets because he's extremely conservative. It's like no, with Jones, it's not that. Like he's simply just making every he's making the throws that are there and they're not really throwing the ball vertical and when they do like he's he's taking those shots even though yeah. they're very they're far and few between um, i don't care about or few and far between i don't care about the low average of the target this year compared to the last two years number one we're winning number two even though the passing offense isn't producing the explosive plays the running game is producing the explosive plays now i would also I, I do think but the Lish. offense, even though it's a low average depth of target, we always we never so we always say with Daniel Jones, it's not about just airing it out like crazy. It's about creating space on the field and running a, a modern offense, yes. which Jason Garrett yes. didn't do. You know, like if this was if if this if Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator, we would be the like thirty first scoring offense in the NFL again. Yes, yes. Think I don't about think how... the rushing game would be as good. No, no, it's it's definitely not as good. Definitely not as good. Um, and this is not to compare talent or whatever, but something that I've said every once in a while is you look at Justin Herbert's average depth of target, which average depth of target is not a stat that indicates success, not success, wins, losses. It's just tendencies of a quarterback, tendencies of an offense. It's more of a tendencies of an offense stat more than anything. Justin Herbert and Daniel Jones have had very comparable average depth of targets every single year of their career. But Justin Herbert has the big plays, produces the big plays there when he needs to, and has also had a system, like Bobby says, a system that Daniel Jones hasn't had up until this year that creates space. So that has been the difference. And even this year, where Daniel Jones is in a new system and then Justin Herbert's kind of in the same one, still their average depth of targets are comparable. But again, that's not a stat that directly leads to wins or losses. We're also much better in the red zone this year. Like we are, I guess we're not too, we're not much, we're ranked 23rd compared to 32nd, which I guess is an improvement, but um, would we be better. We also hold the Marcus- ball. I mean, we hold the, which I, I want to save the holding the ball point. I think we're going to get to it later, but we hold the ball tremendously long in the second half. It's crazy. All right. And even just next, in general. Next question. Joe Smith, Giants fan in DC. How impressed have we been with Bobby Johnson based on improvement of Ben Bredesen, Josh Zudu, and Evan Neal versus what we expected heading into the season? I don't give O-line a ton of credit for like just this guy individually blocking one-on-one, except for like, like Zudu, I give them credit for having the patience with him. And like, you know, if, if his hands are, are truly better, yes, I give Bobby Johnson a lot of credit because that's something that developed in season. Uh, I think Bredesen's development is just kind of Bredesen working hard and being a, you know, you know, taking his profession, taking football as as his profession, taking it seriously. Um, what I do give him credit is like this offensive line's not like messing up assignments. You know, they're not messing messing up blitz pickup. There was actually one uh, this past week, but for the most part, they're not messing up blitz pickup. They're picking up stunts. Um, you know, and the thing that I will give the most credit for is they did let Evan Neal become more vertical in his pass sets last week, um, and then he got injured. Like there was a change where I like I thought like there needs to be a change in this like like I know that this is why you do these aggressive pass sets and I understand it and it makes all the sense in the world but he is struggling with it and I think he'd be better doing this and he has the body frame and the athleticism to pull this type of stuff off um, and they made that adjustment so overall yeah like I'm not gonna give him I'm not gonna say here and be like Bobby Johnson masterclass but uh, I think he's done a good job. As far as like you know, them picking up stunts, blitz pickup, communicating, um, and then we'll see what like Evan Evan Neal hasn't improved so much, like he hasn't had the Andrew Thomas improvement yet. 
But I think just the whole point that you had about not being stubborn and Bobby Johnson making that switch with Evan Neal against Baltimore, doing a little bit more vertical sets, man, was that a worry. Like, it was low-key a back brain, not a front brain, but a back brain worry of mine heading into the season based on what our friends at Cover 1 said about Bobby Johnson, how they were kind of okay with letting him go. They were like, we're okay with letting Bobby Johnson go. We haven't been that thrilled with our offensive line the last couple of years. And Bobby Johnson being stubborn and doing his doing things his way or the highway, they were okay with letting him walk away. So that was like a worry with, especially for me, Evan Neal. I knew Andrew Thomas was going to be fine. Um, Josh Azuda was going to grow into whatever, but you know the tackle spot is just so important that I was worried that Bobby Johnson being stubborn was going to affect the growth of Evan Neal. And at least it's a shame that we can't get to see more of it, but the adjustment in the Baltimore game gave me a lot of hope for, oh, Bobby Johnson just isn't super stubborn and he's willing to change and adapt to based on what his players need. Yeah, I, I agree. So, uh, you know, no no major complaints. I was worried about, like you said, I was worried about Evan Neal. They let, uh, they, they, they adjusted. So can't, can't be mad at that. Um, and I, I do like how they're building through Evan Neal's feet where Mark Colombo is like, Mark Colombo was like, uh, like they just, they started, they focused on Andrew Thomas's hands and not his feet. And then when the whole Joe judge kind of like took over the O-line thing happened, which did happen. I was like, Oh, Colombo helped out Thomas. And it was like, no, that's when judge started making more emphasis. And that's when the run game actually like, like I, I, it's so funny that like when we find out stories, like even like the Mark Colombo stuff, even though that's old, where we're like, I was like, I remember doing the film uh, reviews when I, did, I live streamed them back then. And I was like, credit to Jason Garrett for this. Like, they've changed the run game midseason. Um, you know, they started playing more gap stuff. And it was like, you find out that stuff's Joe Judge. All right, uh, what are we talking about next? No, next. no, but uh, even like Devery Hamilton with going back to Bobby Johnson. The Devery Hamilton story arc this summer was one of my favorite things. Bobby, where did he even come from? I know he went to Duke. The Raiders. He came for the Raiders. This is his first year seeing any kind of NFL action. But the Devery Hamilton kind of story arc of, all right, he's just this guy. He's going to get cut, whatever. Now he's like, oh, offensive linemen are starting to go down. Devery Hamilton needs to play a tackle. Devery Hamilton needs to play a guard. Devery Hamilton, at one point, did it even take snaps at center over the summer just because they needed him to? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But just seeing how Bobby Johnson would talk about Devery Hamilton, like it made me be a Devery Hamilton fan. And that was a really, really cool moment this summer. And Bobby Johnson was like at the helm of it. So that was cool. All right. Next question. Next question. Um, this is about interior linebacker talk. Our friend Doug with a complicated handle. Doug, 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 Doug. Doug. I need, I need to. I wanted to DM this to Doug, but I'm just. I know he's listening, so I'm just going to tell him now. Doug. I want to promote you, and I want to tell people to follow you because you have been my favorite page this season. But I can't plug your handle. I, I, I just I can't do it. So <laughs> change your handle if you want because I want people to follow you. So Doug with a complicated username. Should Micah McFadden be getting more snaps? He's apparently been benched in recent weeks, but interior linebacker seems to be the defense's biggest weakness. Bobby, before you start talking, um, I was looking at Football Outsiders, and I was looking at the rate at which teams are running outside the tackles versus in the middle and guard. And the Giants are one of the top five teams in the NFL that are getting run on the most when they go outside the tackles. And then they are being run up the middle and guard at like a top five lowest rate. So teams clearly see something that they can run outside the tackles against the Giants. Do you want to avoid Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Nick Williams? I would certainly want to do that and test these linebackers sideline to sideline speed. I think that's happening right now. So what are you where what are you seeing from this interior linebacker group? They're getting killed. I mean, they're they're getting killed with misdirection. I the the book is out on how to beat the Giants running game. It's just throw misdirection at them. Cause one, Tate Tate Crowder is just slow to process, and then Jalen Smith will chase any misdirection that is there. Um you know, and after Jalen Smith had a good first couple of games, I think it's coming back down the earth now. Like he's been he's looked lost in coverage at times. Um Tate Crowder's been been halfway decent in coverage when he's playing you know spot dropping in zone coverage not a, not when he's in man which he rarely ever is in man coverage um so yeah they've been they've been pretty weak um 
Tay Crowder makes five plays every game, which get you excited about him. But at the end of the day, it's like, he's just not a Mike linebacker. Like these plays are why he should be, you know, he should be a Will linebacker. And it really does suck that a talent like Tay Crowder that I like, loved him. Like I, I said it when we drafted him. I was like, I can't believe this guy fell to the seventh round. Like he is an early day three pick, maybe even like a, a late day two. And he's just had to play this Mike linebacker position for two years now. For two years now. And he just, he's not good at it. But I think he can have some success playing the Will linebacker. Um, but you can't put, because Jalen Smith just overreacts to every type of misdirection. They just get killed in misdirection and get killed outside the tackle. So I think maybe you you play McFadden in. I don't think McFadden is a solution to it. But you did draft the guy to play. Um you know, maybe start subbing McFadden in a little bit because I think he can do some every down stuff. Um, even though he may not bring like the physicality and speed that Jalen Smith does from just playing linebacker. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a mess. It's a it's a really bad position on the, the Giants defense. And man, do they got to get it right? You know, when you're playing, so, is running the ball like coming back in the NFL? Every week we're talking about how this team runs the ball well. This team runs the ball well. You know, it doesn't let up. I mean, they're not the Baltimore Ravens, but uh, Seahawks, I think they have the most explosive running game in the NFL right now, even with uh, Rashad Penny going down. Kenneth Walker is killing it. Um, You have Damian Pierce with the Texans, and then you have uh, the Lions running backs and that awesome offensive line. So um, it ain't going to let up, and you got to kind of get it right. And there are teams that are clearly just, we're just going to run outside the tackles. We're going to try and test these linebackers. Can they flow sideline to sideline? And it's been working for them. So, any anytime teams just like play just zone run versus us, we're good. But anytime the misdirection, and I and I get it. Like you watch it, and it's like, you know, it's like this is this is chaos. Like all yeah. this pull, and I think it's it's I do think it's an adjustment to the way defenses are 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 building to stop the pass. It's like, well, we're just gonna we're gonna trap these guys. We're gonna counter on them. We're just gonna throw a lot of misdirection at them and pull guys. And it's just they're not gonna know where to fit up in the run game. So I do think it is like when you say is the running game coming back in the NFL. I do think partly yes because you know fo- you can only do so many things in football and you have to adjust to trends. Like the the NFL is very secular, secular uh, with trends. So, um, but yeah, there there is struggle. So I, I would love to see Michael McFadden get some uh, rotated in some reps uh, over Jalen Smith. There you go. There you go. Do you want me to talk about something, or do you want me to do one more question? Uh, the, so you t- you t- you make the decision. Do you want to do the Saquon first half, second half stats, or maybe maybe wait on that a week? Uh we'll wait on that a week. Tough. All right, then we'll we'll talk about one more thing first, and then I'll talk about something. Know this. Teaser for next week. Doug, ask the same question next week. Saquon Barkley has a lot more rushing attempts in the second half and has been a lot more effective, has all of his rushing touchdowns in the second half than the first half. We'll talk about maybe why some other stats next week. Boom. Um, This question. Joe, at Dumb Liners, can you give some analysis and stats on Fabian Moreau? I am seeing posts floating around that he is a top 10 shutdown corner. Wanted to hear if there is any validity to this. There was an article, Next Gen article, that was written about I guess shut down corners in the NFL and Fabian Moreau ranked in the top 10. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would call Fabian Moreau a top 10 shutdown corner in the NFL right now, but he is having a very good statistical season. Yeah, it's, you know, it's why I was so adamant on playing him as the outside corner. Um, Mm. His advanced stats, though, this year, 14 completions on 30 attempts. That's less than 50%. That's awesome for an outside corner, 152 yards. One touchdown. The one touchdown I gave out to was Mark Andrews and man coverage. I'm not going to be mad at any corner. I don't, I wouldn't be mad at Adora Jackson if he gave up a touchdown in man coverage in the red zone to Mark Andrews. And he's just been awesome in man coverage from in the one to three and a half second window. Like this past week, he gave a couple passes. A big one at that end of the game uh, where he just mistimed a ball uh, uh, on the, I think it was, I think it might have been the fourth down uh, completion that Trevor Lawrence had on the last drive of the game. So he hasn't been perfect, but when he just the first, like the, the first portion of a play, he is just always connected to guys. Like it's been pretty, and, and he's made some nice plays with pass breakups and pass games. Like Faber Moreau is just like, he's been a solid outside corner for us. Sucks that he's 28. <laughs> that's probably news. To I mean, that's still not even that old. Like he, you know, we can like lock him up for a couple of years on a cheap deal. Like, 
Like, you know, he's, you know, and again, like for a guy who was, again, a 53-man roster claim. You know, he not even a fifty-three man roster claim. He was wasn't even claimed off of off of no. waivers. He was signed to the practice squad and elevated, and, and then signed to the active roster. Yeah, Nick you know, McLeod, Nick McLeod, I think, who made some nice plays this game. He was a fifty-three man roster claim. Yeah, Nick McLeod and Justin Lane, like they they had those guys ahead of him, and then Fabian Rowe, who's twenty-eight years old, which isn't that old, and he start like that experience is helping, and playing in this Wink Martindale defense has just it's really helped him excel. But I have a I have a question for you though. You know, everybody was giving praise to Isaac Yadam in 2020, and we were here every week saying, "Yeah, you know, he's playing all right." But really, it's James Bradbury that's locking down his side. But Patrick Graham is giving help to Isaac Yadam. Do you feel like Adoree Jackson is kind of locking down his his side, but Fabian Moreau because of his maybe deficiencies and he's not an awesome talented corner? Do you feel like um, Wink Martindale is giving him help, and that's why he's surviving and thriving? Yes, absolutely. Like McKinney is playing like the single high safety is usually shading over to Xavier McKin or Fabian Moreau's side. So yes, I do think that help is there. Um and when But I don't want to in- fault him for that though, like fully, because uh, yeah. oh, dude, a Dory you Jackson can shade should a safety be taken over the care. top. There's still twenty yards before you get to that area that can be attacked, and he's done well with that. And also a Dory Jackson is being paid a lot of money. He should be taking care of his business and his side. It's a team game for a reason, but I just wanted to throw that context out there at least so yeah so the question to answer the question is there some top lockdown corner in the nfl no but like is he ex- exceeding like his expectation absolutely and it's been thrilling to yeah. see and his advanced stats are are good too and next gen it's cool that next gen recognized it um i know it was a clickbaity article and you got to get people to click on it when you want your when you, <laughs> hey, James Bradbury and Darius Slay is in this article. Click on this, Eagles fans. Uh, you got to get him to click on it somehow, so I get it. But wouldn't call him a shutdown corner, but he's been pretty cool. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about something. I'm going to talk about something. Um, we got to talk about Manscaped. You know the drill. I mean, we're in the month of October. We're getting towards Halloween. And before I had Manscaped in my life, before they would send me products, and they all, you know, the Bobby, they send us new and improved products all the time too, which is so awesome. Before I had Manscaped, I mean, my bathroom would sometimes look like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, just there's blood everywhere. I didn't know how to shave my own balls. I mean, it would just be terrible. 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 This is what I used to deal with when I cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. So thank you to Manscaped for keeping my dagger slick and ready for wherever the night may take me. It's Manscaped. They're trusted by 6 million men worldwide. Join the movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GIANTS. You know about the Lawnmower 4.0. It's a fourth generation trimmer that also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Um, I also want you to try the Crop Preserver. I want you to try their ball deodorant. You put deodorant under your armpits. Why not put deodorant on your balls? And all throughout the Performance Package 4.0, get the boxers and shed travel bag as well. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code GIANTS. Slay your worst pubes and keep your dagger clean with Manscaped. All right, last question. Last question. John at the Woogie. Could we get a live watch party for that Blues Clues movie when it's out. There's a Blues Clues movie coming out? Yeah, so I looked up the trailer, and at first it was a fake trailer, which was like a murder movie. I was like, I thought was, I was like, that's actually a pretty funny thing to do. It was like make a Blues, like, you know, like they're solving a murder, and you need the, the clues to do it with Steve. And then I watched the actual trailer, and I'm like, man, having kids sucks because you have to watch this movie. Like, this looks so horrible to watch. But I think I'm going to watch it because... There's only so many like good Steve like still shots on the on the internet for me to use for us to make memes oh, for our so mailbag pod. More, huh? So I might like like skip through it so I can get screen grabs of it. Um, Is this a live action version of Blue's Clues? Yeah, it's like they're in New York City. Oh, great! Blue's and the Clues old in Steve. If it was just the new Steve, I wouldn't care. No, but the old Steve is in it. Like that's all I care about. Is is old steve like i grew up on him like i had a handy dandy notebook as a kid is joe in it too i mean he was steve 2.0 joe i don't think joe was in it oh just steve so i don't even back. know joe's name 
Who's the new? What's the new guy's name? I don't know. It's it's uh, is his name Steve? No, I don't think so. I think I heard <laughs> them say something else in the trailer. All um, I know is Steve and Joe. Those were the first two. Um, tough. so tough. For the I'd third say guy. that I'm not gonna watch it, but it would be funny if like all Talking Giants listeners just watched the Blue's Clues movie. But I'm not gonna ask you guys to do that. I wouldn't. I don't know if that'd be funny. I think it's kind of creepy. Yeah. All right. That's an episode. We'll be back on Friday with a preview pod versus Seahawks. We're going to whip Geno Smith's ass and Colin Gillespie. I found out he was on the Seahawks today. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back then. Until then. Actually, wanted to say congratulations to one of our A1s from day ones, Mr. Chicken. He's having a child. Whoa. Yeah. I saw it on, I, I saw it on Twitter on, on Sunday. So I wanted to say congratulations to him at the end of the show. So we'll see you guys on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.